Many, many thanks to everyone who is taking the time to come to our panel today. Um, we are so uh, really lucky to be uh, to have this panel right now, which will be led by Emily Click. Um, and so, take it away. I want to first of all just welcome all of you. Thank you so much for taking the time to come and be with us today. And um, I'll introduce myself in a second, but I just want to say a little word about my view on Theological Education Day, which is it's our job to give you an accurate picture of Harvard Divinity School. And that's really what we're striving to do. So all these panels and everything are designed to give you a feel and what you need to know to make good decisions about your life. This is a really key moment in your life. So I will have a open office hours this afternoon and I'm very happy to talk with you because what we ultimately want is for you to do what's right in your life. And if Harvard Divinity School is a part of that, then that's thrilling for us. And I also want to welcome the people who are joining us um, via live stream. Welcome also. So again, I'm Emily Click, and uh, as you have in your little program, I'm the Assistant Dean for Ministry Studies. And I also am a member of the faculty, and I teach every year a course on leadership, and I also teach courses on education, educational philosophy, and pedagogy. Um, as well as a number of other things. <laughs> and my own background is that I was a congregational leader for 10 years before doing my PhD, and my PhD research was in the area of theological field education, which I've been involved with um, as a professional for over 20 years. What this panel is going to look at in just a moment is what do we mean by ministry here at Harvard Divinity School? turns out to be um, almost everybody who visits and many who even come here um, sometime after they're here say to us, wow, I didn't understand what you meant by ministry, but now I understand. And so we thought we'd give you a little heads up and a little head start that when we use the term ministry, including in the very title of my position here, we probably are using it in a slightly different way than you're used to. And so that's sort of at the end of the hour, we hope you get a more nuanced and capacious understanding of what we understand ministry to be. And that will include um, that we might be referring to somebody eventually getting the full training to become a rabbi or some other you know, sort of congregational leader as you might be thinking of in terms of the term ministry, traditionally a sort of Protestant term for you know, pastors, it could be for a, a vicar or whatever. But we, we think of it also as a leader of a nonprofit. We might think of it as a, a lawyer who works in negotiation, is doing, in their understanding, ministry, which may or may not be inflected with specific references or even um, swept up in specific aspects of a particular faith tradition. And so that's the sense in which it's really much wider than you may be familiar with. We'll talk more about that. Now, since I direct the field education program, and Laura, at the other end of our grouping here, Laura Tuak is the assistant director of field ed, I did want to start out very briefly with just a little bit about field education, but I'm not going to speak about it very long, because our real purpose is to look at ministry together. 
Um, however, Laura and I are going to be co-hosting a lunch table from 1 to 2. So if at the end of the hour you say, well, I wanted to know more about field ed, come and join us for lunch or feel free to email us. Or as I say, join me in my office hours. Very briefly, field education is a crucial part, it's a required part of any Master of Divinity program. And so if you were to be comparing um, Harvard Divinity School and another MDiv at another school, you would find they also have something that they call field education. I'm hoping that some of you are looking at the Masters of Theological Study, the MTS degree. Here at Harvard Divinity School, we welcome um, students who are in that degree program to participate in field ed on an equal basis with our MDiv students. One thing you should be aware of if you're looking at different schools for an MDiv is that field education varies widely between schools. It's completely different at different schools, which is you know, kind of less true of any particular class, but field education literally has different requirements and components at different schools. So I'll give you a little tiny sketch of what we do. We require every student, to um, MDiv student, to um, complete two units of field education. And what we mean by a unit is 350 to 400 hours in context. And um, one of those units has to be completed during um, an academic year. So it's concurrent with your coursework during an academic year. The other unit could be completed during a summer or during another academic year. Something that um, is quite unique about uh, Harvard Divinity School is if the site and the student are work-study eligible, you can receive your entire eligible allotment through field education. And at ineligible for, for work-study sites, we do require them to pay our students. This is something you want to look into um, at other schools, what their requirements and understandings of how that goes. Um, believe me, every school would, would do the work-study part if they could. But one of the things about Harvard is that they have chosen to allocate a lot of resources to our program. And it takes a lot of resources to pull that off. And um, the fact that I'm a faculty member is also unusual. Uh, most field ed directors are not. Okay, um, we have three uh, very important things that you can, um, avenues for doing field education. One is called student initiated. And that gives you really wide flexibility for what you might be doing in your field ed. Certified sites where we've already developed the site and it's fairly easy for you to negotiate going to that site. Um, we do consider the best form of adult learning to be directed by the adult learner. And so we don't put you into a placement. We uh, accompany you as you're searching and seeking out what would be right for you. Um, all of your field education is paired with reflection. Um, so you will have a supervisor who will reflect with you for an hour per week. Now if I were to ask for a show of hands, I don't want to embarrass you so I won't make you raise your hand, but I'm guessing that a lot of you right now are doing work um, in some field that really could be like field education. And I'm guessing that of those, none of you has a dedicated hour every week with a supervisor to do what we call theological reflection. And so it's a deeply enriching and educational experience. 
It's also paired with meaning making, which we'll talk more about during our panel. The, remember I said there were kind of three avenues. So the third that I would say is kind of distinctive is that we have international field education. And if that is something that interests you, um, we can work together to design, again, a unique field ed that's appropriate for you. Um, last summer we had you know, someone in India um, working on a cow, um, um, what am I trying to say? Refuge. Shelter, refuge, you know, um, that was taking in cows. It was a Jane um, community that was working to um, support cows that had been, um, you know, wandering. We had someone in Scotland working in a women's library um, doing community organizing for women in Glasgow. We had someone in Haiti who was um, studying um, her uh, native religion in Haiti. The final thing I want to say about field education, I'm hoping that this is supporting you guys so that you don't have to cover these basics, um, is that the way we think about field education here at Harvard is that it is an integrative, a key integrative component of your educational experience. So I'm a bit allergic to people saying that field education is where you go and apply what you learned in the classroom, which implies that where you learn is inside a classroom. No, right? You do learn in a classroom, but you learn a lot of other places as well, including in field education. And that what you do in experience is not applying like peanut butter on bread, but it is integrating. So what you are experiencing, hopefully, in your field education should inform and shift what is happening in the classroom, as well as what's happening in the classroom should inform and shift what's happening in your field ed. Um, so it's a key integrative piece. And that's why at Harvard Divinity School, uh, we have a tremendous amount of support and understanding from the faculty and respect from the faculty for the role of field education in your overall educational experience, whether it's MDiv or MTS. So now I want to introduce my wonderful colleague who works extensively with students and um, is real, um, they're real fans of the way that Laura listens and helps guide students. So Laura Tuek, I'm gonna hand it over to you, well, first, I guess, I was. how are we going to do this? I was going to introduce Ashley first, right? Okay, after Laura speaks, then we're going to turn to our two students, and Laura and I will listen. So I want to introduce Ashley Lipscomb, who's next to me. And Ashley is in her second year of her MDiv program. And prior to coming, um, Ashley was a school teacher, uh, edu educator in New Jersey, but also worked in her church regularly as a youth pastor. And I was going to list your field educations that you've done, and I hope you're impressed that I have to turn to a piece of paper, because even <laughs> though I know, and she, she's an advisee, so I really know where she's been, but she's done so much already. So her first um, field ed was during the academic year of her first year here at the Essex County Correctional Facility. Then she worked in the summer at Massachusetts Adoption Resource Exchange. And just before this panel started, she told me she is so jazzed about what she's doing this year, which is at the Leadership Institute for Faith and Education at the Harvard Graduate School of Education. So we'll turn to you in just a moment after Laura has a chance to speak and introduce Amy.
Great, just another warm welcome. So we're really happy that you're here. And I hope you'll join Emily and me at lunch, if you can, from one to two. And um, uh, unlike Emily, I don't have office hours today because I'm teaching in the afternoon. So I'm also assistant director of field education here, but uh, co-teach a capstone course for seniors on innovation in ministry, so innovative projects, um, usually outside of a congregational setting, but not necessarily. Uh, for seniors, it's a small seminar. And then I also teach meaning making, which we'll talk a little bit today with our panelists. But um, I get to uh, introduce you to Amy Weston. And Amy Weston is in her second year of the Master Divinity Program. And I've gotten to know Amy this year through her role with the Tuesday morning Eucharist service, uh, which is a small worship service where we celebrate the Eucharist every Tuesday. And Amy is a coordinator. And is there an official title for that? Are you a ministry fellow there? Or anyway, so Amy coordinates the service, which means she has it all set up and ready to go for those of us who preside. She also preaches and prays and reads scripture, um, as well as sings with the congregation. So um, Amy's got a, a lovely pastoral way um, when she presides over worship, but also a prophetic voice when she preaches. And she is serving now um, in field education at the First Church in Swampscott, which is a United Church of Christ uh, congregation, which is up on the north shore of Boston. You can see the water from the top of the hill there. And um, she's a candidate in discernment with the United Church of Christ for pastoral, ordained pastoral ministry. So. All right, I will start. Um, again, I wanna just give a big thank you to uh, uh, there we go. All right, here we go. Uh, I wanted to give a big thank you to Emily and Laura for just inviting me here to have conversations with all of you. Um, as you've heard, I've done three units of field education already, and they have been amazing. I believe each one taught me something different. Um, I remember sitting in similar seats, not at Theological Education Day, but for another event, welcoming Harp. Harvard students, future Harvard students. In field education, the panel there spoke to me. And because I was trying to figure out what program I was really interested in, there was something about Harvard's field education that just stood out to me. Because it was a way for me to kind of pave my own path to figure out what kind of work I wanted to get into. Because all I've known at the time was education and Christian leadership. And I wanted the opportunity to just really just go out there and challenge myself and do something new, something I would never really think to do. Which brings me to my first field site. Um, the Essex County Correctional Facility was um, an amazing experience. I was a chaplain there. I was the intern to the chaplain uh, for the ECCF. And at the time, my mother had just gone to prison. So there was a, a huge uh, collide within my life during that season. And so I was challenged um, to operate in ministry in one way, but also experience these things from a different perspective. Um, but one thing I really appreciated was supervision. Supervision at the time kind of really helped to center me throughout this entire process. Uh, my supervisor was the perfect combination between head and heart. He was able to sit down with me each week and go through these theological reflections, not just looking at how my tradition looks at some of the social issues and concerns that we faced regularly at ECCF, but also emotionally, how am I dealing with some of these concerns? How am I faring? 
right, as a human being, knowing that I see these other human beings facing these injustices continuously. Where do I sit in relation to that? He really helped me to think through how did I even get to ECCF? How did I even end up in that seat? It was because we had um, a fair. They have usually do a fair at the beginning of the year uh, for these different field sites, and you get to look at them and try them out. And I remember my supervisor was there, and I said, listen, I don't know if I can do something like that. As a child, I remember going to visit my mother when she was in county jails and talking through that phone. I don't know if I can do it. I was afraid. And he spoke to me and said, but we'll work, we'll work through that. That was like, okay, this is what field education is about. It's about trying something you never thought you would do, knowing that you have the support to get through it all. And truthfully, that experience informed my research from then on, because I had to learn that the things that I had been used to preaching, you can't just preach in that atmosphere. You can't just teach. You can't just use that as a way to go in there. You can't use certain words because they're not going to connect in that space. Mm -hmm. So it challenged me to really look at my own theology. How have I been looking at my own faith tradition? And doing that, now it's like in my research studies here, in my classes, I look at ways that language can impact social systems. How can we work through this? And so I feel that from this experience really did impact what I'm looking to do further on after my experience here at Harvard. Um, my next experience, um, so the ECCF is was at the time accredited through um, OMS. So it was already a field site here. The next one I went through the BTI, the uh, Boston Theological Institute. Look at all these, <laughs> all these uh, <laughs> short phrases, I got them. So uh, through the BTI, I was able to find this site with the help of Laura because I wanted to do something with adoption, but I just wasn't sure where to go. Um, I was raised through a kinship family. I wasn't raised by my parents. So I also wanted to try something. ECCF helped me to try something new there. So I wanted to try something else in terms of adoption and really working with families in that way. Um, and then I was led to, to MARE, which is the Massachusetts Adoption Resource Exchange. See all these letters. And at MARE, um, again, another supervisor who was more heart, right? He had the theology, and Dr. Franco was just so well-versed in, in my own tradition in ways that I was not. But I just love that he took it from a, the perspective of another minority in this space. What does it mean for you to bring your own heart and passion to the work that you do in nonprofit? So Mayor is nonprofit, and he was able to really lead and guide me through that. The work you do is not just going to be in the office. Because in the office, what happens in the office affects the children that they try to help recruit families for. And so in understanding that, he allowed me to do some research in my own tradition, right? So I was able to do research on um, looking at adoption in the religious imaginary of the black church. And through this research, I was then able to present to the organization that I was working for, and who knows where that'll go after. Right? We, we've already started partnerships with a local church in the area. They're having Mayor Day there. They're going to try to recruit families in this church and really continue this information and informing those families about what it means to really adopt and to foster. To kind of really look at those stereotypes and try to uh, look at them from a different perspective on how we, as those in ministry working in nonprofit, can help heal that as well. Right? Not to feel that you're just stuck at a desk for so many hours. 
That was Mayor, and it was amazing. And then we get to life. Uh, I was an educator. I was also a preacher, proud of that Jersey girl. Okay. Um, and so I was really trying to figure out a way to bridge my two worlds, to bridge faith and to bridge education. Because I'm a firm believer that in my own tradition, wherever our church sits in whatever community, we are responsible to the children that are there. And how do we have that impact? And so working, um, this is a new venture uh, for the Ed School. They were working last year. They just finished having their convening for two days where they brought leaders from different nonprofits and different faith communities and traditions, not just Christian, but different traditions overall to come in and have conversation about what it looks like to tackle some of these things that are restricting education in our children. And it was powerful to see these traditions, different traditions, come together in a room to figure this out together. Now these are the beginning stages, so you know, I'm like really excited. <laughs> Because I get to work into something I never thought was possible. I never thought you could bridge my two worlds. That's what field education is. It's the unexpected is looking at something from a different angle and knowing that it's a possibility. So, I think I'm done my time, so I wanna, we have questions, so. Thank you, Ashley. Okay, so Ashley has me all fired up now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in my first field ed placement, and um, so I don't, I don't have a, a long tail of, of many amazing field eds. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about um, sort of like what ministry is to me and what ministry was to me before I came here and how my field ed experience ties into all of that. Um, so summer before I came here, I met with the deacons of my church and I presented my whole spiritual autobiography. This is sort of the first step of um, the discernment process in the United Church of Christ. And... And we, we had a, a long meeting. We discussed all kinds of things. We talked about um, my ability to preach, my pastoral presence, the, the sense of call to ministry that I feel. Um, and, and then they do this thing where you leave the room and, and you sweat for 10 minutes while they discuss you. Um, and, and then they, they, they approved... Um, they approved that call, and, and we moved on into the discernment process. And um, at that time, I had a very specific idea of what um, I thought ministry was. I thought ministry for me was really congregational ministry. It was, it was being a pastor and preaching and leading worship and um, caring for, for members of a congregation when, they, when they're having a hard time. Um, being a spiritual guide for people, it was it was all the things that my pastor was for me. Um, incidentally, my pastor is a graduate of HDS, um, but uh, you know, I I I had a very like specific image of what of of who a minister was and, and what a minister did and. Um, in my first year here, that like all got turned on its head before I even started field ed. Um, you know, we're 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 in this we're in this community that is that is trying its hardest to be multi-faith and pluralist, and um, and 
sometimes making mistakes and sometimes getting it right. And through that whole process, we're constantly trying to expand our understanding, figure out new ways to minister to one another, um, and, and figure out what our individual ministries, and we might not even call them ministries, uh, to the world are. And um, I think the, the important thing for me has been the ways that we minister to one another, because I think for me, even before going to my field ed site, I, I learned a lot from the community here about all of the different ways that we can care for each other. Um, last year, I used to, um, so, there, so there's like a nice little lounge just outside the library. Um, there, are some, there are some plants there and some couches and um, some big windows, and you can see people walking in and out of Andover. And, and so I would, I would sit there um, and do my work, and I was kind of just sitting there, not necessarily to do my work, but like because I really was in love with the interactions that I would, that I would have with everyone that I encountered who was going to or from the library. Um, and we are all so busy and so stressed out. Uh, it ended up being like this this little space where we could impromptu minister to each other, um, where, where our colleagues would stop by and, and you know, ask us how we were doing. And it was the kind of like, how are you doing that, is, that expects more of an answer than just like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> um, and that, that really, it taught me a lot about um, about just being open, and I think that that my lesson of my first year here was that like ministry is a sense of openness, right? Ministry is something that you let happen to you. Uh, this year, I'm doing a lot more, um, I guess, what could be deemed traditional ministry. Uh, I'm in my first field ed placement, which is at the First Church in Swampscott. Um, it's a congregational UCC church, a lot like the one I came from. Um, and it's an accredited HDS site, so I didn't even really have to kind of go out of my way. Like, it's sort of, it's, 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 it's almost, it's almost cliche just how, um, how, how, how normal it seems to me in terms of like my preconceptions of ministry before, um, before I came here and, and, you know, I'm, I'm preaching there, I'm helping to lead worship there. Um, I have an oral history project that I'm doing with the parishioners and, and it's given me this, this incredible opportunity to really, you know, expand on all of those things that that I had thought were ministry before I started going to school here, um, fill in those gaps with the things I've learned from my colleagues uh, in fellowship and also in class, uh, and and infuse that into the ideas of of how to lead a congregation and how to to care for people. Um, it was nerve wracking um, starting the 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 placement, mostly because like as as a trans woman, like in a congregation that is all cisgender people, um, that is primarily elderly folks, that is almost entirely white, um, I, 
um, who has never had a, a female senior pastor before. Um, I, <laughs> I, um, you know, I, I had a lot of trepidation, and and my my pa my home pastor called me and was like, "Are you sure this is the right placement? Because like you really might run into some some difficulties here." And um, my supervisor also raised some of the same concerns. Like the there there are all these. It, it, like I guess so 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 he he raised these concerns that that you know it, it, you might get hurt here. And I think that in a lot of field ed situations, there are gonna be times where you might get hurt. And the thing that I learned as I was going through this whole process of figuring out, like, is this the right site, was that there are so many support networks available. Um, and that's sort of what gave me the confidence to go forward, right? That, that maybe I would be hurt, but I have my meaning-making section, and I have Emily and Laura and, and um, my colleagues here, and just all of, these, all of these other people who are ministering to each other to help us get through this and figure this out and learn and, and become better, better ministers in whatever whatever sense that word means. Um, in Latin, it, it's, it means like to serve. So it's, it's, it's a person who serves. Um, so whatever, whatever that service might look like. Um, and, and so the, 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 with, with, that, with that support network, with that foundation, I was able to embark on field ed with the confidence that I can just let myself hang out and, and be fully me in this space and take risks. And that's been extraordinary. Um, and I think that with that freedom to be genuine and to put myself out there knowing that I've got that support, um, it's enabled me to, to, to really put myself into into that role and and connect with the congregation in in ways that um, you know it, it it feels like I participate fully in the life of the congregation. I don't feel like a, an intern that just goes there a few days a week. And it, it really I care about the people there and 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 feel like they value my presence. And that's that's extraordinary. And I think that the fact that we all minister to each other and support each other and give each other courage to do these things really um, is, is to thank for that. Um, and I'm excited to see where this field ed placement goes and, and what, what new risks I take and what new things I work out. Um, you know, my, I, I um, helped serve communion on Sunday and saying the words of institution, which is the, the, um, the, the sort of part of the ritual where you sanctify the elements of communion. Um, really throws me like I it's it's it feels really weird and I'm sure that this Friday when I meet my supervisor we'll talk about that yeah. <laughs> um, and so it's all about it's all about encountering these things that throw you and then and then working them out and figuring them out and unpacking them and and wrestling with them and it's incredibly valuable um, what you get through that process
We um, absolutely want to encourage your questions, but we're just going to ask a couple more questions of them. And so get ready. You know, if you're an introvert and it's hard to ask a question, gear up because we need to hear from you and other people will appreciate it. But um, I'm just so proud of both of you and what you've been doing. I just, my heart's bursting. Um, so I wanted to ask you, and either one of you can respond to this, but what is it like to be bipping back and forth between the world of Swampscott, I heard how you pronounced it, Amy, I, there's this big debate on whether it's Swampscott or Swamps, Swamps, anyway, swamps. between that world and the Harvard bubble, you know, back and forth every week. It's, it's quite a drive, but it's more importantly a very different world, which you gave us a little window into. And I, you know, I was particularly thinking of Essex, but you know, any, any particular one, you're bipping back and forth. You know, and you were doing it your first year here, which is another distinctive, that you can do field ed in your first year. The very first week you're doing your MDiv, you can be going to a correctional facility. So I don't know which one of you wants to start, but we probably want to hear from both of you. Yeah, sure. Um, is it on? Okay, there we go. So, um, yeah, oh, this is a tough one. So, my first year was a challenging year. I had some health issues as well, so it wasn't. Just, it was a lot. Um, however, going from like all of this theology with like theories and methods and intro to ministry studies and some of your classes. It can, it can be a lot for someone who's not used to being in this environment, or I haven't been in school for about five years, right? Like, I graduated from Hampton, started, te yes, Hampton University, started teaching right away, and I just haven't been in the classroom in a very long time. And so to hear things that are foreign to me, it was an adjustment. Um, but to go from here, this Harvard bubble, to drive about 25, 30 minutes to ECCF, I knew that I was transitioning into a different world, right? So there were things I was always constantly aware of, being careful not to brag about my weekend, right? And sometimes that might come up, how was your weekend? It was a weekend, right? Like, because I have to also be conscious of the state of mind of those I'm getting ready to interact with. Now, to some that might be challenging, but to me it was necessary. Because the theology, the education, all of those things, that's nice. But to learn from a practical perspective, it just fills you up. I have a friend who's in, um, she's an MTS, but she's also doing her field ed this year. And we were talking about this, and she's like, it's a whole new world, but I appreciate it. Like, sometimes you do need to come out of the Harvard bubble and to realize not everyone is living like we're living as students. And it's just so nice to step away from this and do something, right? To get to work, to have your feet on the ground, to feel like you're doing something important, that the scholarship doesn't get lost in translation while I'm here. So I think for me, that was how I chose to navigate, to know, because I'm, I'm a I'm a preacher, right? So I love doing stuff. I love service. So this was something that has helped my experience here. For me, it saved my first year. So, yeah. I, I, um, I very much relate to that um, sort of need to get out of the classroom. Um, I, I also, um, I graduated from my, my undergrad uh, in 2010. So I spent a good amount of time 
um, out in the real world, as you might say. Um, and, and, and even my first year here, I was living um, in Quincy, which is a good 45-minute ride on the red line uh, from here. And not a good ride. Well, it's 45 minutes on a good day. <laughs> um, and, uh, and like, I hated it. I hated being so far away, and I hated commuting, and, and, um, and the sense of, of hassle and difficulty and all of that. But there was one thing that, that I, I sort of came to value about it, which was that it's really set this boundary of like, when I'm here, I'm here. Um, and then when I'm, after I ride the train for 45 minutes, I'm at home. Um, and this summer, uh, my partner and I moved to Cambridge and it quickly became apparent to me that like without that distinction, um, life could get really stressful. And, 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 and you could very easily just never leave the bubble that is Cambridge or even even Harvard Square, right? You you, didn't, you don't even need to go to Kendall or or anything like. <laughs> I mean, you don't need to go to Kendall anyways. Okay, okay. Um, but so 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 getting out of this bubble was actually part of my motivation for choosing for choosing Swampscott in the first place. In order to get there, I have to drive. I can't take the commuter rail because it would take two hours. Um, I have to drive, it's, it's a half an hour drive. It's, it's a little bit of time by myself to like, to transition from the Amy that is here at HDS to the Amy that is the pastoral intern at First Church in Swampscott. Um, and, and then, the, and there's also like this temporal, or this this like spatial transformation that goes on too. As you you drive out of Boston, you drive through Lynn, um, you see the, the sights and the smells of Lynn. Um, uh, in you 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 get to the coast, you drive up Lynn Shore Drive. You the ocean's right there. The church is on the left as you're coming up. It's beautiful. Um, and and it, and it sort of it it for me it like works me back into that community, um, and and helps me to figure out like where is this community grounded like what matters to them, um, what what worries them, um, and, and and when I arrive I'm generally like kind of into that headspace and I think that like if I was doing field ed at um, you know, first Cambridge, and I was just walking there from, from campus, um, I wouldn't have that ability. Like, I wouldn't have that, that, that time of transition, that time of transformation to, like, to sort of put on this different, this different role, this role that's not, um, that's not a student, that's, that's someone who these people are really, um, that the, the the congregation there is really relying on to to give them some kind of um, pastoral ministry and and the 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 time and the travel really um, for me is a good way to 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 switch that and and I appreciate that it's not right next door. Thank you.
So uh, we've mentioned meaning making here, which is the title of a course uh, that's paired with your first concurrent unit with the academic year of field education. So all students are sectioned into small groups to do to learn the art of theological reflection and to, to gain um, support. So I'm curious from both both your perspectives, I guess, what's um, how has that been uh, that process? How has it supported your um, integrative learning process, or has it? I can, uh, I can go first on this. If my mic. All right, good. Uh, so, um, meaning making is hard. Like it's not hard. Like it's not a lot of work. Um, it's uh, you are presenting a case once a semester, you're facilitating somebody else's case once a semester. Um, the case is just an incident, um, a description of something that happened while you were at your field at site, while you were in, um, in that capacity. And, and, and you go over that. Um, there's not a lot of reading for the course. There's not um, big term papers that really, um, so, but, but, but it's hard, and what makes it hard is that you go into this classroom with eight other people, um, and you just like spew your guts out on the table, or on the, on the, on the board, and, um, and are really vulnerable together. And it's, I think that vulnerability that makes it valuable and makes it um, a place where we can, where we can build and, and, develop um, new theological understandings of what we're doing, where we can, I mean, make meaning, as it were. But, um, gosh, it's hard. And I think, like, I keep coming back to this sort of theme of support, and the thing that makes meaning-making work um, is is feeling safe and like building up those relationships with your colleagues so that um, so that it works out and so that you can you can be vulnerable and you can you can unpack these difficult things. Um, I presented a case my first my first um, my first case that I presented was about um, when when I was introduced to the congregation and the pastor also introduced my partner and I was like oh no um, like what does this mean about their expectations for her, what does this mean about like like being introduced as a lesbian couple in front of us in front of this like very straight, very white, mostly elderly congregation um, and and through the process of of meaning making, um, you know I was able to unpack that and come to and come to a deeper and new understanding of of what what my role is as minister, what um, how that interacts with my relationship, how um, that interacts with the congregation, and and it's not. I don't think it's about always finding answers. I think that meaning making is about really asking hard questions and giving you things to to process and and think about. But um, ultimately, ultimately, I think it's it's. It's the good kind of hard. It's the good kind of vulnerable. It, it pushes you to, to new understandings of the world. Um, 
So I did my first place in my during my first year here, and having meaning making during that time is a huge benefit. So if you are going to think about doing field ed your first year, if you're hesitant about it, having meaning making is great as a resource to do that. Um, and here's why: doing ECCF was a challenge with my own personal history. Um, and like I said, that first year, I had a really tough year, like literally on my way to a meaning making course. This is how great meaning making actually is. Um, on my way to the meaning making course, I got a phone call uh, that we had a death in the family, literally on my way. And it was like, oh my gosh, I just didn't know what to do. I wanted to go home. I didn't know if I should just turn around. But something was like, just go to meaning making because you already know that there are people who are gonna support you through that and they're just gonna help you to navigate. And that's the kind of meaning making course that we have here. And with the cases, what I, I think the beauty of meaning making is this, you don't have to be perfect in your field site. Like we mess up, we're human beings, we make mistakes, we're just not sure, we don't know how to navigate. So that's one of the beauties about uh, meaning making. Y'all have something in my eyes, so I don't want you to think I'm getting emotional up here. <laughs> Um, so that's the beauty of meaning making is that you don't have to be perfect. You can be a human being and make human being mistakes and have misunderstandings and navigate them with your cohort and with your peers. And also having a great meaning making professor is also a wonderful asset to you. So having them there, I had Dan Smith, who's just really great, like just really overall great and being able to have some of our really tough cases. Like I had a really tough case at ECCF. I had a struggle, it was a day I was struggling with, I was struggling with leading a face sharing group in this setting and I just didn't know how to leave that. Um, and I worked through it with my supervisor who, when it was also tough for him and bringing that to meaning making. And together we went through that case step by step. Right? What is something that we saw? What did we hear? What did we feel? How did we navigate? What can we learn from this? And I think that that's just the beauty of meaning making. So, yeah. yeah. All right, who's ready to ask a question? We've, we've got a bunch, but let's start over here. Hi, good morning. Good, good morning. Mm -hmm. uh, so my name is Tamisha Mills. I'm traveling from New York City, and I'm currently serving at an AME church. So thank you for uh, this time that we have with you today. My question is for both Ashley and Amy. And my question is, we talked about the Harvard bubble, and we talked about how field education is an extension of the degree, not necessarily just going out in the field, but really integrating and learning. But I am curious of how much of the theological study here at HDS do you feel like translates in the field? Um, so how, how has the HDS MDiv degree prepared you for your ministries, traditional or non-traditional? Yeah, I'll go. Okay. Uh, so, um, so last year, last fall, yeah, my first semester here. Uh, so my first semester here, I took a course um, with Professor, Professor Stephanie Paulsell um, called Contemplative Prayer in Christianity. Um, and the course focused, it was a deep reading course. We read six books, that's it. Um, that's not a lot of reading, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, we read six books and, and, and then we read them again so that we could so that we could really get deep into the content of them. And the things that we were reading were all about contemplative prayer, um, spiritual practice. Um, you know, you might say mysticism. Um, it's about people who are 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 seeking a, a direct connection with the divine through a regimented, consistent, personal practice. Um, so we read Thomas Merton, we read St. Teresa of Avila, um, we read um, Howard Thurman. We, so, so we, um, and, and, and we, really, we really dug into these and, and it was an incredibly ex valuable experience for me, the theologically, but also spiritually. And I think that, uh, that, that um, you know, seeking out those courses that, that, fill, that fill that spiritual nourishment part is really important. And that has actually directly informed um, part of what I'm doing at my field ed site. Um, I'm leading a, leading a devotional series coming up this next month and then a contemplative retreat and, um, and then another contemplative prayer series uh, in the spring. And, and that is directly influenced by the spiritual and theological and academic experiences of, of, M, of the MDiv program. Yeah, um, my first experience was during my first year, so I didn't have the benefits of being able to do that beforehand. Um, however, we did have intro to ministry studies. So some of the programming that I was doing at ECCF, I was able to create in intro to ministry studies, which I thought was a really great um, uh, course to have at the time. Um, and when I think about some of the other coursework that I've done after, which would help some of these things. I think of uh, trauma and resiliency with Professor Giles, which is really great. Um, something I would have taken to ECCF had I had it beforehand. Another course that I'm thinking of, uh, I took a Dr. Martin Luther King course, uh, the ethics and um, religious something, sorry. Sorry, Professor Williams. Um, <laughs> with Professor Williams, which was actually really great, and I was able to navigate some of the research that I wanted to pull from ECCF and actually start that research there, which kind of looks at, for me, especially in this political climate with Florida, uh, voting uh, to give voting rights back to those who were previously incarcerated. When we look at that, my research at the time, because of ECCF, focuses on how do we use language to identify persons with substance use disorders instead of saying substance abuse, right? And we, in a lot of the articles that are out right now today on Facebook, as you look, they'll say, oh, felons, they get their rights back, instead of saying persons of incarceration, right? Previously, previously incarcerated persons can now vote. So one thing I think about um, when it comes to bridging, you know, the theology that we learned, I was able to look at the theology of Dr. King to create this language, right? To also say this is important. So it can be done. And what I love, again, about the beauty of this program is what you make it. So. We are, we're gonna conclude, I think, now. Margaret is telling me. But, but may I just say one quick thing, which is I will make myself available. Um, is this room in use after this? Uh, no, I okay. set up for the next thing. All right, so I'll, I'll hang around uh, in, in case you are not available to come to the one to two lunch and I have office hours after that. Let's give another thanks to these two wonderful <laughs>